Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi, covering Mississippi State like nobody else, with Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk of 24 7 Sports. Powered by Taylor Construction Equipment. Whether you're looking to rent, lease, buy, or for service, contact Taylor Construction Equipment today at taylorconstructionequipment.com. Now, get ready for Thunder. And this is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Tuesday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is that you get your podcast. We thank all our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with a trip to the drive-thru over at Strange Brew Coffee House here in Starkville or at Brupolo over in Tupelo. It would be a little weird, Robbie, if Brupolo was in Sand Hill. Yes, it would be weird. Nobody would Nobody would expect that once whatsoever. No, uh, I, I certainly wouldn't expect that, although, you know, that's not too far from some bigger cities. True, true. Um, but... You know, Sand Hill would be a little off the beaten path. Yes, I so. think they'll have to do what the rest of you guys have to do if you don't live here in Starkville or, or, or Tupelo, and that's order it online. Go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com and order it to be shipped right to your door. You can have it every single morning and start your day the way you want to with Strange Brew Coffee. College Corner and collegecornerstore.com, two locations in the Jackson area to serve you. They're in Ridgeland. Uh, by Fleet Feet there and Florida by the Half Shell. No mention of a Sand Hill location for College Corner either. Not, not that I've heard of uh, anytime soon. But you can always shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Whatever you're looking for, maroon and white. A great selection of polos, pullovers, T-shirts, caps, hats, whatever it is. Plus, stuff for the house, for the car, for your tailgate. Everything Mississippi State. It's all in one place. It's at College Corner. Restaurant Tyler, Starkville's. Best restaurant. I checked again today, and yes, still number one. Best for lunch, best for dinner, best for brunch on Sundays. When you can get it all in one place, you just got to go there as often as you can. Great blue plate choices, thousands of potential combinations. But, of course, there's not just blue plates at lunch. They have burgers. They have sandwiches and po' boys. Or you could, you know what? You could just get some crawfish dip, and and you could just eat that. Crawfish dip, top three appetizer in this city. Yes, top three for me. Barbecue okra, not far behind. Which I'm, I'm. If I'm telling you that a vegetarian item is a top appetizer, you that's how you know it's good. That's you're like if Brian Haydad is saying I should eat a a totally vegetarian item. Well, it's it's fried though, so I mean, like it's still vegetarian. Fried just about anything, and it'd be good. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Not not every not everything's good fried. I'm, I'm, I'm you want you to trust me on that. But the barbecue okra is. So what more can I say? Go to restaurant Tyler. Uh 16 locations of Priority One Bank throughout central Mississippi. Find one near you, open an account, and learn how they can serve you and help you manage your money. Banking local, it's important. We talk about shopping local and eating local all the time. Banking locals, too. You want to have those relationships with with the folks that you do business with at your local bank. Priority Priority One Bank wants to be that local bank for you. Go to PriorityOneBank.com to find the location nearest you. If you're already a Priority One Bank customer, make sure you're using the Priority One Bank app. It's smooth, it's streamlined, and you can do a lot more than just move your money around on it. 
Let Priority One Bank make you their priority. Very football-heavy show today, although we will give uh, our congratulations to Dakota Jordan, SEC Freshman of the Week. Very well-deserved after the weekend he had against the Ole Miss Rebels. But we got a lot of football talk. We're going to start in the transfer portal. Actually, you know what? Let's start with a song. So it took a couple of days to get it all uh, sorted out, but Jay Lindsay is now committed to Mississippi State. Uh, six foot five, two hundred thirty-five pound tight end out of Patrician Academy in Butler, Alabama. Uh, we'll just come right out and say it. This is the kind of a uh, of a uh, player that Mississippi State normally picks up later in the class. Uh, not a lot, not a ton of no, no Power Five offers, uh, but he's already. Committed. Well, you say that. I mean, I, I keep hearing that. Like, well, you can take this guy in December, whatever. I mean, State's taking these guys early in the process too. I thought the past few years they had not taken as many of these guys. I mean, I, I get everybody's like, you know, kind of skeptical on this, but I mean, we're talking about, you know, a tight end first and foremost, which he fits the profile of a guy that can play in this offense, a tight end. It's just not that concerning to me. I know you didn't say anything. I'm just, I'm just kind of venting on what's going on, on the board, but. It, they have taken guys early in the process, and I get I get the point too that you know you could probably get this guy at the end, but they're they don't want to get him at the end. They want to get him now. If if they well, like him, that was why be, not? Just my go my question him. is: When you look at this guy, do you see a guy that you know could blow up through the recruiting process? A guy who you know big schools might be wanting to come after later. So Mississippi State decided to go ahead and get him into the boat. Possibly, I don't know him very well. Paul's talked to him. He says he's a very kind of laid back, low key guy, real country kid. He might not want to go. I mean, if he went out and went on visits and he went to camps and stuff, I could very well see him uh, getting a little more exposed and possibly getting a lot more offers. He's just kind of a low key guy. I don't know if that's going to happen, but it's obvious that um, this Mike Schmidt and the, the staff, they saw something from him. They sent him in person. They kind of checked him out. They like what they see. It's very difficult to tell just how good he is because of the competition. Uh, so I don't really – I mean, right now it's just kind of a – you're definitely taking a guy that looks to be kind of a developmental player. All right. I think the, the main reason, and you mentioned some fans and how they're reacting to it, is because Mississippi State doesn't have like some other big fish in the boat to go – if State already had commitments from – uh, P.J. Woodland and Terrence Hibbler at this point, two guys that you feel Mississippi State leads for, two of the bigger prospects in the state. If they already had commitments from those kind of guys, if, if Kane and Daniels had committed to Mississippi State and not to Florida, I think you, you could look at that and go, okay, well, now they're taking a guy that they like, they think he's a project, they feel like they can develop him. But when you only have you know four commitments now, and only one of them is a four-star, people are going to look at it and go, you know, what's going on with the recruiting? That's almost like a just sort of a natural reaction. Well, you know, it's all it's also kind of funny because people used to get upset because Mississippi State would build their classes in the spring and the summer and not have a lot of exciting things happen in December. And now people – it just – I guess people are just going to be upset no matter Nobody what. Nobody can be happy, happy, Robbie. You just need to accept that. I mean, I, I just you accept I don't, that people can't be happy. 
the sooner you can be happy. You can't build your recruiting class in the spring and also build your recruiting class in in December. So I don't right. really know what to tell you, but yes, they're they are lacking a lot of big fish. That so far they're kind of just you know other than the the quarterback that they've gotten in the class, which I think is a big deal and shouldn't be overlooked. Josh Flowers from Mobile is a guy that has some nice offers and is a really good player. And I think, you know, a future, possibly a future quarterback from Mississippi State shouldn't be overlooked. And I really like T.J. Lockhart. If that's a guy to get excited about. The other two guys from Alabama, Caleb Dozier and, and Jay Lindsey, are a little developmental. They're the guys that, you know, Dan Mullen and company would take in the spring and the summer, and people would wonder why they're taking them. And it just kind of you know, remains to be seen in, until they get on campus what kind of impact they can make. We've seen a lot of guys with some really good offers that State's taken in the past that are transferring right now uh, mm-hmm. because they've been passed up on the depth chart. But I see a guy in Jay Lindsay that, I mean, he's obviously dominating the competition he's playing against, and it's not great competition. But from a stature standpoint, He's listed at 6'5", 235. I don't know how legit that is, but that's a good-sized kid in his junior year in high school that's playing tight end, and I feel like could be a really good fit. I mean, I see some comparisons to Brad Cumbus that people were making. If Brad Cumbus would have stuck with football, I think he would have been a big part of what Mississippi State did, and if he wasn't in the air raid. But uh, this is a, a similar type player, I think. Uh going to be a big, strong kid, and I think help you there at tight end. And there's a lot of different um, tight ends they can bring in over the next couple of years. They already got two out of the transfer portal, obviously. I think they're going to take a couple of guys in this class as well. So, you know, I, it's it's nothing to get – it's nothing that this fan base is going to get super excited about. I don't think it's anything to get really upset about either. I mean, you're filling a need with a guy that's got a nice profile – Athletic kid, big stature. I don't, I don't see a big issue with it. But state does need to get a little momentum going. They got four commitments right now, and you don't really feel great about a ton of big name guys. Terrence Hibbler, I think they got a good shot at, but they're battling Alabama and Texas for him. And if Alabama says they really want him, it's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. State's got some things in their corner. They got uh, the connection with Kamari Rogers and. Um, and the people at, at Holmes County, but it's still going to be a, a real battle for that. You didn't get Cannon, Dan- Cannon Daniels. You had him on campus this weekend. That was good, but he's not on on board. Still waiting on possibility of you know PJ Woodland who they're batting battling for. So it's just I, I get the frustrations on that front. You you just don't feel like you have slam dunks coming down the pike here. So that that's. Definitely something to monitor, and they do need to pick it up, and I think they will in the summer. I still feel good about, uh, you know, some things coming this summer. You mentioned the transfer portal. Uh, that is now opened up, and it's a busy day for Mississippi State. Four players uh, have entered the transfer portal uh, for the Bulldogs. Uh, defensive back William Hardrick, uh, offensive lineman Jackson Cannon and Lucas Taylor, and wide receiver Marquez Dorch. Of those four guys, is there one that you, you look at and you go, I wish I'd like to see him stay and see what he could do? Uh, I don't know. I, th- I think there, I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of changes in the offensive line at wide receiver as well. I think it's just best for everybody. 
I think these guys are going to get opportunity elsewhere. And they've also probably fallen behind some other guys uh, at their positions. I, th- I thought Hardrick was a, a pretty big stretch when they took him initially. Yeah. I mean, that was one of those guys, like I think he had like a a blue shirt or something at, at Arkansas, Arkansas State. Arkansas State, yeah. And it just didn't make any sense for State. You know, they had Jay Hampton and William Hardrick taken late in that class. Jay mm-hmm. Hampton was a wide receiver, and they converted him to defensive back. He had not really played a ton of defensive back. And then Hardrick was a guy that was not even going to get a, a scholarship right away at Arkansas State, and they took him. Neither Those one of those guys were reactions out. to MJ Daniels flipping to Ole Miss. They were, which that would have been. I mean, that that might have been a uh, if they would have got MJ Daniels, that that might have been a, a issue for them as well. I don't know, but neither one of those guys made it. Uh, the most important thing I've seen is Darcel McBath from that has really bounced back. I mean, his mm-hmm. last two recruiting classes and the defensive back have been exceptional, and he's built some uh you know some solid recruiting classes back to back so they did learn from that but you know you're gonna have to have some guys transfer out here state's got way too many players on the roster right now for the players that they're bringing in they're still recruiting some guys out of the portal i think once this new coaching staff has come in and they've been able to kind of assess everything i think you're going to see some adjustments there at several different positions and that includes on the offensive line at at wide receiver too i think it's going to be the same thing when you look at the, the these two these four players, it's kind of interesting. You know, Cannon and Hardrick were, I think, both the lowest rated guys in their overall classes. So, you know, not overly surprising to see them, you know, not make their way up the depth chart and and, and find their way on. Dorch was a four star kid. Lucas Taylor was a high three star kid who had offers from some other schools in the SEC, including LSU, I think, and Auburn. So, those are guys that you're a little more surprised that didn't pan out or didn't didn't find their way forward. And the thing is, we have to remember is Mississippi State's not done here yet. There'll probably be two or three more guys who decide to head out the door. State has to work to get under the 85, but they also want to sign some guys. So there may be four or five more Mississippi State players who end up transferring before you see two or three more come in to Mississippi State. Yeah, and they had two or three guys on campus this weekend. So, I mean, it's it's definitely one of those deals where they're, they're actively looking for more players to add, and you know you're going to have players leave. And, I mean, look at the wide receiver room, man. I mean, it is very crowded, and there's not going to be enough reps to go around for those guys because this is a completely different offense, no matter what Zach Arnett said to you the other day when he was slapping you around. Um, It it is going to be much different uh, for Mississippi State this year offensively for those wide receivers. And – you know you have your guys at the top of the list like Tulu, uh, Justin Robinson, Jordan Mosley, uh, Jaden Wally. Those guys, Xavier Thomas, those guys are going to get a lot of the reps. And those that next tier, that's going to be where you might see some adjustments there. Freed Whitmore has, has come in and passed a lot of guys. He's get he's fighting for you know first and second team reps right now. I think Justin Brown is a guy that, that that could fight for reps. I mean, you still have Freddie Roberson coming in in the offseason, so there's going to have to definitely be some adjustments there in that wide receiver room. And then, like when I said, look at the rest of the roster. Like I said, another another wide receiver leaving would not be totally surprising. Um, 
some of the you know the the younger guys on the uh, the defensive backfield would not be surprising to see a guy go there. To be totally honest, you know we see you see Hardrick leaving, but you know there's been some there's been such an influx of transfers into the secondary that you know some guys are are probably going to start looking another way. And there's just going to be a couple of guys that at the end of the day, you know, you took them because you hoped they would develop and they didn't. And now it's time for them to move on. You know, call it a process, call it a cut, whatever you want to call it. Um, but you got to get those guys out so that you can get players in who you feel can contribute for you. This is just the nature of this business nowadays. Well, and that that's kind of my point too on the uh, high school class, like getting you know kind of getting up in arms and taking a player when you're going to sign twenty something high school guys. You know, taking a high school guy that might be a little bit of a project. It's not it's not like it's going to set you back three years mm-hmm. if this guy doesn't work out you know right. i mean you can afford to I'm take some of these anymore right i mean you can afford to take some of these guys because you can easily go get a guy in the portal that is a upgrade at that position that still has multiple years remaining i mean the options are just are just out there at this point so mm-hmm. I, I feel like you can be a little more selective with high school guys now than even you used to be just because yeah. Your roster's turning over every single year. You're losing players. You're gaining players. This guy has three years left. This guy has one year left. You can fix things pretty quickly. So, um, you know, it's it's just it's so weird. I mean, it's it's like we said. I mean, you just don't get attached to players anymore. No. You just follow the brand, follow your team. Whoever comes in, a lot of times is going to have some of the same production that the guy uh, left it. I mean, how many times have we? Talked about Ra Ra Thomas in the last two months. I mean, that was a big loss for Mississippi State, but at this point, State seems to be kind of moving forward without him. So I, I just I don't think it's as big of a deal anymore losing these guys when you have the portal to kind of hang your hat on as well. So we'll see who the remaining guys are. Uh, the portal's open, I think, for another two weeks, something like that. So. When we you know opens and closes, and one thing to remember as you see guys leaving Mississippi State and you see guys around the SEC, no SEC transfers that happen in this window can play this year. Uh, the SEC rule is that anybody had to be in the, at the at the end of the last window, which ended February first. You had to be in by then if you wanted to play this season. So, uh, a player like Marquez Dorch, you know, he was originally committed to Ole Miss. Let's decide he wants to go back to Ole Miss, which I'm not saying is going to happen. I'm just giving an example. But if he did that, he would not be eligible to play this upcoming season. So it's not something to keep an eye on as you watch these transfers. You know, any any other conference, you know, somebody from the Big 12, the Big 10, or the group of five schools, they can come to Mississippi State and play right away. Somebody at an SEC school who's in the portal would have to sit out a year. So just keep an eye on that, and we'll see where it brings us. Let's uh, move on into the rest of the show. That's brought to you by our friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council, who want to remind you that beef, it is what's for dinner. If you're cooking out anytime soon, you're going to fire up the grill. You want to make sure you've got some beef on there. Great steaks, burgers. My wife cooked burgers last night. They were fantastic. Love, I love, I love a bacon cheeseburger. It's one, of, it's just one of my favorite things. Was just, it cooked all the way through? Let's not, let's not go down that road. Yes, they were. They were fine. Uh, but anyway, wherever you are, if it's this weekend or any other time, if you're going to fire up the grill, you want to be thinking about putting some beef on there. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends, the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District is the place to find smoked southern soul food. Weather is going to be fantastic. That means that the outdoor seating is going to be at a premium at Two Brothers. And, of course, during the weekends, they've always got great live music. 
They'll be doing crawfish boils this spring and summer. You don't want to miss out on that. And of course, anytime you're at Two Brothers, the food is fantastic. Check them out. Check out some smoked Southern soul food at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. Great products and great service, something every business likes to promise you, but Advantage Business Systems, they've been delivering it for 48 years. When you need technology for your business, call Advantage Business Systems. And then if you need service, you call them back. No 1-800 number, no call center to be on hold for 30 minutes. No, our call, your call is very important to us. No out-of-state technician who'll make an appointment with you and maybe be there in a week to 10 days. Now, dealing with your fellow Mississippians is painless and stress-free. And that's how they like it at Advantage Business Systems. They take care of you like a neighbor. Call them at 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. The Collegiate Collection at the Rogue. If you haven't checked it out, you are missing out. It's got the best collection of polos and quarter zips and pullovers that you can find. Great name brands, quality styles, and they've got the logos that you want. Tired of looking like a walking billboard for a shoe company? You need to check out The Rogue. Go to The Rogue in Jackson. Shop online at therogue.com. Don't live the three-stripe life. Shop at The Rogue. If you haven't made it to Dolce yet, well, today's the day. 8 a.m. to uh, Tuesday through Saturday, they're open for breakfast. Bagels, breakfast sandwiches, some incredible, incredible breakfast sandwiches. I'm going on Wednesday. Wednesday, Wednesday is the start of my vacation, so I'll be on vacation so I can eat whatever I want, right? I'm asking Robbie. I need I need your I need your permission. I need your assurances. Sure, why not? Who who am I to tell you what you should be eating? I'm not eating healthy. Well, you're my friend. I, I hope you would look out for me. Well, I am looking out for you. Enjoy what saying. you're eating. But I'm on vacation. So have fun okay. on vacation. Thank you. I appreciate that. So I'm gonna do that. And you should too. If you want to try Starville's best new breakfast spot, head over to 509 University Drive and head to Dolce. Positional breakdown time, Robbie. We've got to talk about the linebackers. So get the Sharpie out. Two of them are already taken care of, right? Not a whole lot to say. Nate Watson, uh, Jet Johnson, they're locked in. They're going to be there. That's a lot of returning production. I mean, that's you're talking about the top two tacklers in the SEC back from the same team. That's huge for Mississippi State. But they've got depth behind those guys. It's all going to be about the Sam position. Uh, I'm sorry, the Will position which is where Tyrus Wheat wreaked a lot of havoc from MSU last year, won a lot of games for Mississippi State last year because of his play. They've got to find somebody who can who can take go after the quarterback the way he did. They've got some options out there, Robbie. Who, who, who do you like coming into the uh, coming out of spring and, I guess, going into the offseason? But I can't talk about the the returning guys? We'll talk about them in a minute. I want to start. I want to start. <clears throat> it's kind of like some the new faces. Yeah. Well, I thought – I mean, he's not a new face, but Deshaun Page, I thought, really took a step mm-hmm. forward at linebacker this year and t- kind of taking on kind of a little bit of a leadership role, it seems like, too. I mean, he came in there and talked to us after the spring game. Seems to be a guy that's really taken that step forward, like I said. And, I mean, Zach Arnett was really excited about him, too. But John Lewis, too. I mean, we were really excited about him coming out of high school. Knew he was a little raw. He needed a, a couple of years to uh, kind of marinate a little bit and learn. And I, I asked him about that, about his last two years and um, what he's learned. And he's spending time around uh, uh, Tyrus Wheat, I think, was big for him at the Sam spot. And now it's his time. And he had a good spring game. I thought um, him and Deshaun Page had some big plays in the spring game. Mm-hmm. J.P. Purvis, 
too, is another guy. I mean, they have options there with guys that are not exactly, you know, super young. Yeah. But are just now getting their chance to step in and do some big things. And they're different guys. Like what Purvis yeah. brings is what different from what Page brings to different to what Lewis brings. So you've got some options there based on down distance and, and what you want to get after. There's 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 a bunch of different pegs to put in those holes. Absolutely. And like you said, I mean different builds, different skill sets. You got some really athletic guys. You got some guys like, you know, Purvis is just kind of a unit. I mean, he's 6'1", 240. John Lewis is 6'3", 235. I mean, he's huge, but he can run. And then those young guys are just super athletic. Avery Sledge, uh, Khalid Moore. I think people are starting to see what kind of dudes Zakari Tillman can be. He had a really good spring. Uh, and I think, you know, it, was, it might be a blessing in disguise that Jet Johnson was a little banged up this spring. Because we know what he's going to get, but these guys got increased reps. I don't think anybody's going to pass Jet Johnson right away, but these guys get more reps, they get more opportunities, and that's better for Mississippi State. It's you know the defensive line. You need some of those young guys to get that playing time this year too. But Jave Gilmore, Khalid Moore, um, Zakari Tillman, Avery Sledge, those guys need to start getting some reps because just like those defensive linemen that we talked about last week. It's their time next year. You know, John Lewis is going to have to be one of the leaders of that defense next year. The, those young guys, those redshirt freshmen, they're going to have to step in and really do some big things for you because you're losing Nate Watson, you're losing Deshaun Page, you're losing Jet Johnson. you got to have those players step up. But I really like the room right now. I think they've done a good job balancing it out. I think a lot of these guys are going to be ready to step in and be the next Buki. And they have a lot of good young talent. They got some more coming in. It's a good group, I think, top to bottom. Let's spend, let's talk about the uh, the veterans, obviously, with, with Johnson and, and and Watson. I mean, neither one of those guys you know strikes me as like super you know a super freak athlete. You know, there's not a I don't think either one of those guys is like a Bernardrick McKinney or or anything like that. But they are fantastic. They are consistent. They are good tacklers. They are great leaders. Mississippi State couldn't be in a better spot with having those two guys uh, on, on this defense. They, they 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 are going to provide a lot this year. The only question I have for, about them is, can they provide more than they provided a season ago? Not in terms of tackles, obviously, because when you're talking about leading the conference, that just is what it is. You know, more sacks, more big plays. Are, are they capable of just a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, you're looking at two guys that are in what they're like sixth, fifth, or sixth year. Mm-hmm. I mean. Anytime you have a, a defense with older players like that on it, I think you can really see them take a step. And you know, it's hard to believe them being even better next year, but I think that's I think that's possible. Um, it, it, and really, I'm I want to see how they utilize the linebackers this year. I don't think it would be a bad idea to give possessions to Deshaun Page and J.P. Purvis and John Lewis instead of, you know, having to ride the, the backs of Buki and Jed almost every single possession throughout the game, you have the luxury of keeping those guys fresh. So maybe those numbers go down this year, but Mississippi State's linebacker linebacker crew is a net positive this year. And you, you kind of have a better season this year from your linebackers than did last year. 
the numbers might not be what they were last year, but it's only because I think the options have grown for state at linebacker. And also, you got a different defensive coordinator. Zach Arnett told you the other day that Matt Brock might be a better defensive coordinator than he was. You know, he might he might be a better play caller than he was. Maybe the defense looks maybe the defense looks a little different. Maybe the maybe the I mean the the things that we've wanted to see from him with the more the increased substitution patterns and things like that. Maybe that comes into play. I don't know. I, that's just kind of a wait and see. You mentioned the three young guys, Javay Gilmore, Khalid Moore, and uh, Avery Sledge. If they had to pick one to, to step up and make a big impact this year, who would you pick? Oh, uh, yeah, I like I like Sledge a lot. That was a guy that I think Zach Ardett was probably more excited about than anybody in the class. You know, he had kind of found him um, in the process down at uh, in Hattiesburg, and you kind of seen him one night. I forget who they were playing, but they were playing somebody else, and he kind of just jumped out there as uh, uh, you know, just right off the the bat, and that was a guy that he was really excited about. But you know, Cleve Moore's kind of the same way. I think both of those guys would be guys that I'd be looking at. Um, to possibly you know take that next step this year, two Mississippi guys they kind of live and breathe uh, football just like a lot of kids growing up in the state and that those are those are the kind of kids that Mississippi State's really won with over the years and I think that's that's coming too. But telling you man, watch out for Zakari Tillman. That's that's a player that has really impressed his coaching staff in the spring. He looked really so good Saturday in the spring game. I thought. I mean, looks like a, looks like a big time football player, if nothing else. Six two two thirty. Yeah, as a freshman, and he's going to have the opportunity to play this year. I think, at the very least, on special teams. Coming in the spring was huge for him. I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, one last thing before we go. Let's uh, let's get into our spring wraparound today. We had to go out of alphabetical order because of some people's schedules. So we're talking about LSU today. Let's just go right into this interview. I talked earlier today with Wilson Alexander. He covers the Tigers for the Advocate down there in Baton Rouge to get his thoughts on the defending SEC West champions. We'll head down to the bayou today for our continuation of our spring wraparound. We're going out of alphabetical order. We'll do Kentucky tomorrow. You'll have to forgive me on that one. But Wilson Alexander joins us today, covers the Tigers for the Advocate uh, down there in Baton Rouge. Surprise! Surprising would be the word I would use for LSU last year. I wasn't really sure what to make of them in the preseason. Um, I wasn't, you know, really, really sure what to make of them after that loss to Florida State. But then they turn it around. They end up winning the SEC West. Are they prepared to take on the role of the hunted this year? Because, in my opinion, with all the questions that Alabama has, LSU is probably the favorite to repeat in the SEC West. They talk a lot about now sort of that change in mindset and being, you know, not the not that they aren't, and not, the fact that they're not that team that's kind of coming up from behind. And LSU never maybe truly is because you know, having won three national championships in the last 20 years, uh, it's hard to really be the team that's hunting. But after having gone 11 and 12, you know, before in the two seasons before Brian Kelly got there, they kind of were. And so now that they've won the SEC West and they've got those 10 wins. Um, that is something that they sort of have acknowledged that they aren't in the same position than they were a year ago to be able to sneak up on anybody. They're going to be expected to play better. And so that, that's not how they're kind of treating this, this season is trying to take that next step and being able to be the team that's hunted by everybody. But, you know, LSU usually kind of is. That's the position they're used to being in. 
And now this program is just kind of back to that spot. But it's a little bit interesting because it's back to that spot for the first time under Brian Kelly and this team. You look at LSU's season from a year ago, you know, it was bookended by some really inexplicable losses. The Florida State it was a game they should have won, and then to lose to that terrible Texas A&M team really put kind of a sour note on, on what had been a fantastic season. And even just as you look at the, look at their their games, you know, they had some games where they had to come from behind. Florida is one. Uh, they, they played Arkansas very close. Ole Miss was a game they were behind. Is, is consistency a big deal for LSU this offseason? Absolutely. When you look at uh, the charting out that season, like you said, they won 10 games, but it could have easily gone in a different direction. Um, they were really, they were behind at Auburn, um, on the road there. And they managed to squeak that out despite a really bad offensive day. Um, obviously the Tennessee loss, they got completely blown out of their own stadium. And, um, you know, like Arkansas, like you said, was a really tight road win. And so this could have gone in a different direction. Um, and so it's absolutely now about, you know, they were great at coming back in the second half last season, but now they have to be able to really control games start to finish. A lot of that has to do with a couple different areas. One is special teams. Special teams was their Achilles heel all season. They have to get a lot better on special teams. They have a new special teams coordinator and a new approach to coaching those groups. Um, and so we'll see kind of if that's effective. And then secondly is sort of expanding the offense and stretching it more downfield, having a more um, dangerous passing game um, that can take the pressure off of just, you know, sort of Jaden Daniels creating with his legs and becoming a more dynamic offense. That'll all lead to more consistency. And if that's the case, then LSU certainly will be deserving of being a favorite in the SEC West, and they'll be in the playoff hunt. Yeah, if you enjoy watching a player develop and you enjoy watching a guy progress through the season, then you enjoyed watching Jaden Daniels last year. You know, against uh, Florida State, he was not great. Against Mississippi State, you know, he made some big plays with his legs, but the, the passing plays weren't there. But as the season went on, he just got better and better. Is there another step for Jaden Daniels this year? Can he become, you know, an elite quarterback, a guy that the NFL would really want to look at in the first round next year? Yes, absolutely. Before the Southern game, or excuse me, after the Southern game, before the Mississippi State game, Brian Kelly said that there was a, there was a throw that he made where he rolled outside the pocket and he found a guy out uh, in the corner of the end zone for a touchdown. And he said, if we can see that more often from Jaden, then we're going to be a really good spot. And you started to see that more often from Jaden throughout the course of the season. But there was still, in particularly, against Florida, Ole Miss, and Alabama, and especially in the Florida and the Ole Miss games where he was just lighting them up. He, I think he had... Uh, six touchdowns in both of those games. Um, and you saw how dynamic he can be when he blends, you know, taking some downfield shots in the passing game and being aggressive as a passer with his running ability. And so now it's about being able to stretch those few games over the course of an entire season. He had the second most productive season by a quarterback in LSU history, statistically. And yet it was there were still areas to grow. And so that's what can really make him an enticing quarterback and possibly the best returning quarterback in the SEC, and maybe when it's all said and done, actually the best quarterback in the SEC next season, is if he can take that development as a downfield passer, be more aggressive in the vertical game, push the ball downfield, and that's been a major focus for him this spring. LSU, you know, skill position-wise, always has superstars. And at the receiver position, I mean, obviously Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas are great players. I really like the, the tight end, Mason Taylor. Is there a running back, though, on this team that you feel like can, can be that typical LSU running back, a guy who can be close to 1,000 yards when the season's over? Probably not. This is going to be a running back by committee situation again, uh, most likely, I should say, you know, at this point of the year. Uh, that's where it's headed again like it was last season. Uh, they've got six scholarship running backs uh, on the team right now. 
And they used a committee approach last year, and they're likely to do so again. Brian Kelly, one of his lines that I kept coming back to last preseason was, quote, we don't have Leonard Fournette in that backfield. And that's certainly still the case because the personnel isn't that much different. They've added a couple freshmen, but they're still freshmen. And, um, you know, that's going to they probably aren't those sort of instant impact kind of players, um, especially in a room that is fairly deep. And so they're going to you're probably not going to have anybody close to a thousand yards. Um, but there might be a bunch of guys that are sitting right around 500, uh, maybe closer to 600. Um, they've got a lot of different, you know, attributes at running back and different things that those guys can do. And while they're trying to make them a little bit more well-rounded as a whole, um, it's sort of about picking out when to, you know, ride a hot hand or when to use a certain player based on their strengths. And so that's how they're going to set it up. Is Harold Perkins the best defensive player in the SEC? I think so, especially with Jalen Carter and Williams moving on. Yeah, I think it's Harold. Um, I mean, watching him, there's nobody else in the SEC who demands your attention quite like Harold does, because of his athleticism and his speed. It's a pleasure just to watch him play football, and the way that he can chase down just about anybody—not just quarterbacks, but running backs and everybody else. I mean, he's. He's so dynamic, and he might be even more so this year. Um, LSU is practicing him inside all spring. Um, he's still on third down going with the outside linebacker edge rushers um, because he's still going to be used on third downs as a pass rusher because he that's part of what made him so effective as a freshman. But they're trying to now expand him to being a true sort of complete linebacker, and that they think is going to make it a lot harder for teams to game plan against him. They're not going to be able to just line up maybe a, a tight end or use a running back to chip or double team him off the edge. He's going to be – and he was already moved around the defensive front last year, but now it's coming from even more different – even more spots where he could be available um, because they think that he's you know taking that next step to being an inside linebacker. But he's still so dynamic as a pass rusher that their teams are going to have to account for that too. And I would say that, yeah, he's the best returning defensive player in the SEC. And we'll see how things shake out. But he could be the best defensive player in the country – um, it's a long way to go. Though. There's a lot of guys out there who, who will fight for that spot, but he's going to be right up there with them. How big is the return of Mason Smith for this LSU defense? Mason's presence inside opens up a lot for LSU. With B.J. or Jalari, the uh, Jack linebacker they had last year going on to the NFL, uh, Mason is now sort of that second pass rusher along with Harold who that teams really have to account for and fear. And, but it brings it, it sort of structures it differently, I guess, on the defensive side in terms of how LSU is going to bring pressure with Mason, uh, because Mason is a defensive tackle. He can split out to end and do a lot of different things, but he's more of a hand-in-the-dirt defensive lineman. B.J. Jolari was a stand-up edge rusher in Matt House's defense. And so now um, he has an inside pass rush threat that LSU didn't really have last season. Makai Wingo was a third-team All-American, and then Jacob, excuse me, Jacqueline Roy uh, did some okay things um, as, the, as the nose guard, but they didn't have a really good pass rush from the inside. They couldn't collapse the pocket inside out. Well, now teams have to probably account for Mason Smith and Harold Perkins, and it's bringing pressure from do- two different areas that LSU didn't have last year, where it was really just off the edges last season. They can bring it more inside with just Mason Smith and not have to, you know, and still, and then it allows them to be even more creative. Matt House get even more multiple on the defensive front. And so he opens up a lot of things for LSU defensively. This is the question we've asked everybody we've interviewed throughout these, these spring previews. What are we talking about in November with this team? Is LSU, do you think LSU's back in the SEC championship game, or does Alabama get back on top there? 
Well, I guess going into November, it's uh, I actually posed a somewhat similar question. Do we think it, to some of our fellow beat writers over here earlier this spring, do we think the Alabama game is a top five game between LSU and Alabama? And most of us agreed it's probably not. The one the teams is still just in the top 10. So, But I guess to actually answer your question, um, I would like to see more of Alabama and what they actually have at quarterback mm-hmm. and how these coordinators mesh before making a pick for what we see in November. But I think that that game, that LSU Alabama game in you know November fourth in Tuscaloosa, is probably once again determining who represents the West, who actually ends up doing it. I'm going to have to reserve my pick because I just I, I can't say it at this point of the year with any confidence who it would actually be. You know, there's and you also want to see more development out of Jaden and um, and the things that we've already talked about with LSU. Um, but they should be right in the mix, um, probably with you know either undefeated or with only one loss by the Alabama game. LSU, if nothing else, always interesting down there in Baton Rouge. See what happens this season. Wilson Alexander from The Advocate. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Brian. All right, thanks to Wilson. Appreciate his time. Really good stuff there. He's high on this LSU team. You can tell he's not fully committed to to them being a repeat champion in the West, but he obviously thinks it's a very talented football team, as do I. And, you know, Brian Kelly gives them an, an elite coach to go with all of that talent. It's it's just going to be for me with LSU that I thought their defense last year was good but not great. It needs to take a step forward this year. Obviously, having Mason Smith will be a big back will be a big deal for them. Harold Perkins, as I agree with what Wilson said there, maybe the best defensive player in the SEC. Uh, just an uh, just a freak athlete of a linebacker, but also a very smart player. He doesn't just rely on his athleticism. And then it's LSU, right? It's DBU. They got to find some guys in the secondary. I don't know that they had that superstar that they had in years past, but they need to find one. They need to find a guy who can be a a, a lockdown corner or a safety that terrorizes everybody. That to me is the biggest. I like Matt House. I thought he was an outstanding coordinator. I thought he did a great job with that defense last year. But they weren't the LSU defenses, you know, you've seen in the past under Dave Aranda and going further back to like John Chavis when they were just loaded with talent and, and hard to run on and hard to throw on. They just got if they if that defense is a little bit better than LSU is not only going to be in the SEC West conversation, they're going to be in the national championship conversation. Yeah, you know, they gave up four or five touchdowns to I think five different SEC teams. I mean, it, just, it wasn't a team that was super dominant, but they just kind of won last year. It was kind of surprising to see them become what they did. Yes. And they were never just, you know, super impressive. They just they just won games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because early in the year, weren't, there wasn't anything that really stood out about them. Well, they lost that first lost, game. You know? Lost to Florida State. State should have beat them. Mm-hmm. State State was in control in that ball game, and they couldn't do anything on offense. They had completely taken Jaden Daniels out of his game. You know, State had forced him to to pass the ball, and he was he looked awful. Mm-hmm. By the end of the year, he had kind of developed a little bit as yeah. a quarterback. I still think he's very limited in what he does from a, a passing standpoint. But one of the more dynamic quarterbacks in the country next mm-hmm. year. And you know, this is a team. They beat Alabama. They played for an SEC championship, and it, I mean, wasn't very close, but. They're ahead of schedule. Brian yeah. Kelly in year one winning 10 games. This is a guy that's one of the winningest coaches in college football right now. He's done it at three or four different places. So he knows how to win. He knows how to assemble a team. And now he's got some of the best resources in college football to do it with at LSU. So they're talented again this year. I, 
I guess my question is, does Jaden Daniels move forward as a quarterback? How much better is he in the offseason? If he's a significantly better quarterback, which is hard to believe he's going to be a better thrower, but if he is a much better quarterback this year, then they can go a long way because I think the defense is going to be improved. They have a lot of talent on that side of the ball. I I think they'll be fine. You look at LSU last year, they were kind of a testament to just keep swimming, right? You look at, you know, they lose to Florida State. They bounce back with three straight wins, although two of them were non-conference, but they did beat Mississippi State in there. But as you just sort of mentioned, not overly impressive in that game. State was just not very good that day. They beat a bad Auburn team by four points. They get blown out by Tennessee. They beat Florida by 10 in a game that they trailed in. They beat Ole Miss pretty badly, but they trailed. I think they were down 20-3 to at one point in that game. Then they have the bye week and they play Alabama, and that's the big win, right, where they, they come out and beat Alabama. But then the next week, they only win, beat Arkansas by three, and then they lose to Texas A&M. And it's just, they were just, they were just never like, like you expect the SEC West champion to be. We've gotten so used to the West champion going undefeated or just having one loss. And this was just a, a good football team. They were never great at any point in the season. They had the potential to be great this year, but like you said, I think a lot of it is tied to Jaden Daniels and his development. If he can find another uh, level as a passer to go with what he brings you as a runner, well, not only is he going to lead this team to a lot of wins, he's going to be a high draft choice um, in 2024. But that's you know that's that's to be seen. And then, like you said, defensively, if they're if they're just a little bit improved, and they and you know I think having Mason Smith back will help them a lot. That's that's somebody that defenses have to account for. Um, and then if they get somebody to step up in the secondary, this LSU team capable of winning 10, 11 games and maybe going undefeated all the way to the SEC championship game where they might have a rematch with Georgia on their hands. So we'll see what happens there. It won't be on the podcast tomorrow. Well, we will have it separately on the podcast feed, though. We're supposed to talk to John Hale of the Lexington Herald Leader. We'll get our thoughts on Kentucky on tomorrow's show. Also, tomorrow's show, as you know, is the rumblings. So we will talk about anything you want to talk about. Just send us your questions in. And we will be happy to answer them. That's the last. And don't forget, tomorrow is the last podcast of the week. Back with you guys on a Wednesday for Robbie Falk. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.